This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. End of the regular season slash championship games for conferences. Season installment of J.C. and Morgan number 191. Welcome, everybody. Hope you uh, have digested all your Thanksgiving turkey from over a week ago i think we're past that now i think you're now feeling uh, you've already signed up your gym membership you've got a uh, head start on your resolutions and uh while everybody's trying to focus on good clean living again uh, our man michael haney just lived a life of debauchery in cabo for a week as part of the uh, songwriter uh festival what's that called again michael the sipping uh, for in paradise Dip. okay is there a is there a, sipping yeah. for what? For I'm a sorry, sipping, what, sipping uh, tequila. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I know you did that, but I thought maybe that was part of like you know, kind of like a movie has the title, and then you have a this time it's for real or something, you know, like a little tagline. But you know, no, no tagline on that. No, okay. no. This no. time it's for Although real. This time it's personal. <laughs> it's it's not all right he's michael no, Haney, no. and he's back from cabo and better than ever in as Nashville. you can tell i may still be drunk from cabo I don't... Yeah, that's that's abundantly clear just looking at your eyes no i'm kidding we can't see each other on zoom and michael's got his his sip cabo hat so there's a there's a you know a uh moniker of sorts a little little tagline jc is in the windy city and uh he's wearing a, a black visor Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm here in Atlanta, and I'm not wearing anything. I mean, I have clothes, but uh, <laughs> no hat, no visor, just a uh, just a jacket. We're all set. We're pumped up. We're ready to go. We got a lot to get to, including the the uh, hot Haney five. Uh, including, we'll take a, a a deep dive. But I'm going on the lighter side on the deep dive this time. Uh, I, I'm going to actually once and for all put and end any questions about whatever happened. And and what was it about the Pullen Weed Eater Bowl that still has people mentioning that game? I can't tell you how many people still think that's an actual sponsor of a bowl game because we do have the bowl season coming up. Uh, I don't know what Pullen is doing these days, but we'll we'll handle that in the deep dive. We'll do a little under the radar, SEC spotlight, all of the above. Uh, like I said at the top, guys, the 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 season as we know it. The regular season has come and gone. Uh, I thought overall there's a lot of good things about this year. It was a little more unpredictable than we've had in years past. Uh, you had a little drama toward the end. And I, I just think overall it was a very entertaining season with a lot of good stories. And now you just hope that the playoff will live up to that and the bowl season will be grand. And we could finish on a high note before 
we start talking about other things, but that those other things are already being discussed and will be discussed on this podcast. And that is, of course, the portal, the portal, the portal, the portal, the portal. You, you got coaches and we'll get into that, including, yes, uh, Dion and Hugh and whichever ones we haven't already covered. Um, but once you get past that, it's all about the portal. It's amazing how that has, we, we are full fledged free agency in college football. So with that being said, JC, what what have you been keeping your your eyes on? What has grabbed your attention here in the last few days, uh, including Championship Saturday? Well, I, I thought uh, Championship Saturday was, you know, my there's a Taylor Swift song, and I I hate to quote her, but since Haney's a songwriter, he may he may have some. You know, just so, lean so, into it, JC. Uh, all right. This is why we can't have nice things, right? Um, you know, we had a great rivalry weekend for the first time in, uh, since I can remember. Right. Even Georgia, Georgia Tech was competitive early, mm-hmm. right? He got a hand at the Tech. You know, they they, they finally, you know, they can be 52 to whatever by the death machine at Georgia. I, I thought championship weekend was very anticlimactic. Uh, you know, with the exception of Kansas State beating TCU, which I think we all thought was a distinct possibility, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, you know, just not not a lot of good games. Clemson, North Carolina. I was expecting a t- tougher game there. No, uh, Georgia LSU, eighty points scored, but uh, you know, fifty. It was never in doubt. The Big Ten, never in doubt. Purdue kind of toyed with or Michigan kind of toyed with Purdue which, by the way, lost their coach today. Um, you know, Southern Cal and Utah, and boy, I, I was wrong about the, the Utes. Uh, I'll tell you that right now on Friday night. That was even a blowout. And so, and I guess sometimes, you know, you you, you, sacri- you have a great weekend of championship games one year, bad rivalry or whatever. So we can sort of hope for the, semi- the best of the semis. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, I think that uh, – even looking back on it, the best game of the day didn't even knock TCU out of the playoff. The only quote unquote upset and K state was only a two and a half point underdog. So, you know, I, I, I love watching football. I love championship Saturday. It was just something about it that just wasn't as, it wasn't as cool, I guess. Um, and, and to that point, you know, I don't like the, the 16 team league and then the top two in the standings go to the championship game. But Mike, you're in TV, and I was wondering why in the hell are they doing this? Uh, it's like it's just you know why? I mean, that, that, there's going to be all these tiebreakers, controversy. A lot depends on the draw of the schedule for that big of a league. I figured out why. Television, the divisions are bad for television. You know, because sometimes you don't get the best two teams in the league. Sometimes you get you know a the best team in the league, and then probably about the fourth best because they won the other division, uh, and so. You know, like, like, all right, so we'd probably have, what, Clemson and Florida State in the ACC, uh, in the uh, in the SEC. Maybe it's still Georgia LSU. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Georgia-Tennessee rematch. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Georgia-Tennessee rematch. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, Which with a healthy Hendon Hooker would have been outstanding. Uh, exactly. Uh, Michigan-Ohio State part two. Uh, in the uh, in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. um, you know the Pac-12 does not have divisions, so they obviously got the best matchup. Uh, and I kind of figured that out. I was like, you know, I, I don't know why it didn't hit me. I'm like, this, this isn't fair. This, I mean, you know, I don't like it. Blah blah blah. Wham wham wham. Boo hoo hoo. 
But watching those games Saturday, I was like, hmm, okay, so we got the two best in the Big 12, Pac-12. But these other matchups leave a lot to be desired. And that does happen, particularly not so much in the SEC every year. We've had some like that. But, like, Big Ten is definitely – there's a clear – even when the East is weak. Uh, and I know some years when you're, when you're bad Floridas or your Missouris sneak in, uh, South Carolina 2010, you know, th- that was a weaker, much weaker division. But even when the East is weak, you'd have a Georgia that shows up, and, and that's a good game. Um, the Big Ten West just is donkey. Uh, and then, you know, the ACC Coastal the is – Coastal, may it rest in peace, by the way. It's, I know. It's done that's now. It. It's over. It's done with. And uh, it's it's been the most uh, – I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to even say anything about that division without offending a lot of our audience. So I, it's uh, it's good. Well, they know it's bad. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, a, if you're a fan of just, those teams, like, you know it's a terrible uh, Oh, division. no, no. I was going to probably say, compare them to, like, uh, you know, circus clowns or midgets or something like that. Oh. I don't want to defend little the, people. The, yeah, well, I don't want to defend the other little people or the hardworking yes. uh, folks, circus carnies out there, you know, all that good stuff. So Jay Leno uh, used to make jokes on the Letterman show about hermaphroditic clowns. So I'm pretty sure if you stay away from that, I mean, if he was okay with that, he'd get canceled now. Though yeah. you know, you never you think know. So? You think the, the, a, hermaphroditic a, clown converted. society going in? alums. <laughs> yeah, Mike's killed the Miami alums, and he's he's still he's not dead yet. So I think. Uh, no, 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 no. Let yeah, me clarify. Oh, sorry. The fans, let me clarify. Not the Miami. Alum. I have friends that went to Miami. Uh, in fact, props to one of them that listens to this podcast, Nick, who's a, now a doctor. Uh, a, a surgeon, actually. Uh, clearly, he was much smarter than me in the fifth grade and, and still is. Uh, he has a degree from Miami. He went to campus at Miami. He knows he could tell you like where the quad is at Miami. Uh, it, it's it, that fan base just has a portion of, of, of it that knows nothing about the school and and is the most vocal and most negative about it. But uh, the, the Miami fans that actually went to the school and it's a terrific school so i i do want to clarify that for uh again for for the the, the one meathead that might be listening that's wearing a, a, a cutoff hurricane shirt from 1984 who again you know probably lives in like grand rapids but just jumped on the bandwagon and he's the one that's telling you hey, this guy should be fired and that guy should be fired and it's all about the you dog that that's a that's a different group altogether. So now, and and again, the clown we love clowns of all uh, sizes, shapes, and preferences and pronouns. So let's let's get all that out of the way. So nobody is offended in the uh, opening segment here of the um, of the podcast. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there because you were on a roll there, JC. Oh no, um, no, I'm fine. But but yeah, you know, I would just say one other thing on that. You bring up a a a, a great point, and and yes. Not that I'm in those meetings, but I, having spent enough time in TV, I, I think I have a pretty good handle on how TV thinks. There's no question that they want the better matchups, and there's no question the better matchups are taking the top two teams and not the division. It's not like the Super Bowl where you've only got 32 teams in the whole NFL, and even if one of the you know the AFC stronger than the NFC, the NFC champion's still going to be pretty damn good. That's not always the case in conference championship games. And there have been some woeful ones. There have just been some woeful conference championship games. Um, 
look, you mentioned it. I mean, the SEC had a run there where you got Missouri. You got a couple of Missouri and Florida teams that just ain't that good. And you got the 2010 South Carolina team that was good, but certainly not to the level of the Auburn team with Cam Newton. And, and for, I mean, what was it, like 15 out of 16 years, the West is burying the East. That's changed because Kirby built Alabama 2.0 in Athens. But let's face it, the rest of the division is is not real strong. I'm not going to miss divisions. I, I the Look, you're never going to have an apples-to-apples apples schedule for each team within a 16-team league. But going 3-6-6 without divisional obligations – to me, it provides a more level playing field and provides a, a, a more closely contested conference championship game. Again, the only thing that I fear for for big for the Big Ten, you know, we just went through this. You can't convince me the committee did not know that by leaving TCU at three, you avoided a rematch of a game we just saw a couple of weeks ago. And while, yeah, that might draw a high TV number, there's a lot of people that don't want to see that again just right now. I don't know if you also want to see Michigan, Ohio State playing back-to-back weeks every year, which is yeah. kind of what you'd have. Yeah, you, that's going to get weird. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. Sometimes getting weird's a good thing. Uh, that would be a bad weird, I think, uh, for a lot of folks. Did I just turn into Christopher Walken? Yeah. I mean, look, and there's years uh, where Alabama and Auburn are the top two teams in the SEC. You know, if you think about yes. it that way. The the thing is, I mean, the SEC. Say what you will. This is not SEC homerism or anything else. It's got the most diversified level of good teams. That doesn't mean I'm telling you that Vanderbilt's going to be in Atlanta anytime soon. Ole Miss has never been there uh, as much as, you know, they're they're a, a quality program, a reputable program that Lane decided to stay at. But, but they've never been to Atlanta for a reason. And Mississippi State hasn't been there in a long, long time. Uh, and Kentucky hasn't uh, ever been ever been and and south carolina has been once you know like so but it's not just like bama and auburn it's bama it's auburn it's lsu it's georgia for a time it was florida and tennessee maybe someday we head back to that within the next 10 15 years who knows i mean tennessee was certainly close this year so uh that is the thing but i'm with you overall Conference championship weekend does not have the same juice that rivalry weekend does. And rivalry, we just had one of the best, as we talked about last week, one of the best rivalry weekends that we've had in a long, long time. There were actual upsets. There were actual games that came down to the wire. It wasn't all chalk, which is what it often is. And we have to just rely on the same cliches of you can throw out the records. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes one team is clearly better than the other, and the record shows that. Um, The other... I know we'll get to Haney here in just a second on the, on the hot five. Cause I know I don't want to steal his thunder on this, but you know, I'll just say this real quickly. The uh, all the drama that was talked about going in, I think it, it was all for not. I, I really think that what you, if we're debating whether or not TCU is going to stay at three or four, that's not a lot of drama. So this, in a lot of ways, I thought this was the most, uh, anticlimactic selection show that we've ever had because you you just couldn't find a path for Alabama. Now, we talked about this last week, and I'm not just one that goes by Vegas odds. I, Alabama, to me, is a better team in TCU. Alabama, to me, I would pick to beat Ohio State. But you can't base it just on that. Because if we just base it on that, on what the Vegas odds would be and who's got the most five-star recruits, Alabama's in it every year. And Georgia would be in it every year. 
So we we do have to have consequences for the games. And so I I I, I never counted Alabama completely out. And if if um if uh oh what needed to happen? So you had Southern Cal. Yeah. Everything it, that needed to happen happened. It, it, yeah. Yeah, because if Southern Cal beats Utah, they're in. Uh, you you needed one more. What else? Kind of crazy. Need? One more crazy. Yeah, one more crazy result. And I'll just say one last thing because I don't think it is in the Haney Five. I have never struggled with my Heisman, Heisman vote more than I did on Monday, and I waited Monday like two hours before the deadline came. That Caleb was not good. I know he was banged up, but. And to lose to Utah twice, uh, yeah. And then, you know, the silliness about writing stuff on your fingernails, that that just strikes me as a kid that needs a little growing up to do. is kind of immature, kind of silly. It wouldn't have affected my vote one way or another. But it was a very, 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 very difficult vote. I do think the right players are in New York. I feel bad for Blake Corum. I've talked about him a number of times on this podcast. If, if he's healthy and he runs for like a buck fifty, which I'm convinced he would have against Ohio State, He's in New York, and he might even be the favorite. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think that uh, I think you're right about that. I, I'm All with right. you, Haney. You, you take a Haney's like coughing up a storm. He's still recovering. You're going to be okay to get through this. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay, okay, you're a gamer. All good. right, hey, let's bring yeah, it sometimes, in. Sometimes, hey, to, to bring it back around, here's here's a bookend, and we never got back to this. By the way, we're going to have to do a separate episode. You didn't watch the program. Uh, the very I have first not. episode still, still have of, not. of this season that we did. You were supposed to watch the program. I didn't call you on it. Didn't hold you to it. We got to do it now. Uh, but there's a scene where a guy gets hurt in practice, and James Con goes over and says, "Are you injured? Or are you hurt?" And he says, uh, "Well, he says, well, if you're if you're hurt, you can still play. If you're injured, you can't." So I'm hurt. I can still play. So let's do the hot hand five. Oh, I love it. What an wow. introduction that was. That's where the producer plays the stinger. And... 185. There it is. All right, guys. So you touched on it a little bit here, but the very first question uh, simply to you with the four team, uh, now the penultimate four team, because in 2024, we will have a 12-team playoff. So goodness. penultimate college football final four that we will have. Did the committee ultimately get it right? Well, I'm going to be really short on this. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. I have to say, I, you know, I, I just don't like, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think Alabama was deserving, but I, I don't necessarily think Ohio state was all that deserving either. I, I, I was, I've been disappointed in Ohio state all year, but you know, that probably means that they're going to win the whole thing <laughs> just because it's uh you know they do. Have That's a how lot they of won talent. their first one, right? Yeah, yeah. Under Urban Meyer a few years ago, they were they were the fourth seed. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I don't really. Besides getting, you know, their teeth kicked in by Michigan, uh, you know, they didn't lose. I mean, it just I, I don't and I don't hold the Northwestern near miss against them because uh, the wind was blowing. I mean, I had to, like I said, I had to keep my dog inside that day because of the, the sea was angry that day, my friend. Yeah, I like mean, an old it, man returning soup at a diner. But then it makes me mad because I sit there and wonder, well, why the heck didn't they run it 45 times? You know, why'd they try to throw it 28 times and let Stroud get? I mean, so I don't, I just don't, I, I don't know. Something just about that team strikes me the wrong way. I don't know that they're You're not alone. tough. 
you know, so I don't know. I, You're I just not alone remember. on that. I, I don't think they showed up big in some of the biggest moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. They beat Notre Dame. That was like their gem of an out-of-conference game, right? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I leaving one out? Much, yeah, Notre Dame covered the spread, but yeah, it was. Yeah. I, and, and had and, them down, you know. Yeah, right. Um, here's the thing. Like, I promised I wasn't going to go down this road, but now I'm going to go down this road. If Ohio State played um, at LSU and at Tennessee, you want to tell me Ohio State does any better than Alabama did? I don't think so. There's no way. I don't think so. I don't think they win either one of those games, and I'm not even sure if they're as close. Now, again, we'll never know the answer to that. So if you're a Buckeye fan, you're saying "That's, that's crazy talk. It's fine. Um, but I don't think so. And again, I just think Alabama's a slightly better overall team than Ohio State is this year. But but I, I can't sit here and get mad that that Alabama's not in because the way the system is set up, it's based on your resume. They've got two losses. Ohio State has one. And that's 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 the end of the argument. Again, two years from now it'll be a moot point because they both are deserving and they'll both be in. And I think that'll be better for the sport, as I've said, ad nauseum. But for now, um, you know, Ohio State can prove everybody wrong if they upend Georgia. I'll say this. Georgia fans will never admit this. This is not what Georgia wanted. This is not what Georgia signed up for, to dominate an entire season and then be rewarded with a team that many people thought was the most talented coming into the year. They didn't live up to that. But there's still talent on that roster, even with a key opt-out at wide receiver. Georgia's got to be thinking, can we not play TCU? Um, but that's 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 the way it it, it works out, and it, it to me it makes for maybe the best one-four matchup coming in that we've we've ever had in the nine years of this playoff. I also yeah. think it's uh, it's big just for the growth of a team like TCU guys. I mean, they've been in the, in the big 12 now for a decade, but they still have that feel of a group of five team at times. Uh, I think there's the perception of them. So just the fact that there wasn't even, as you said, Mike, the argument of, well, are they going to be three? Are they going to be four? And it it was very anticlimactic. I still felt like there could have been a feeling for some of like, well, you know, it's just TCU. Like, why don't we just put Alabama and Ohio State in because those are the teams that are always in and a team like TCU gets left out. I think it's great that they have finally grown past that that perception. Uh, great point. Yeah. It, it puts it puts it's a in your face to those who just and, and a lot of these people that do this are not even diehard college football fans. They'll just be like, oh, it's all about the money. It's all about the the brand name, and that's like that's the that's the complete uh, uh, degree of their analysis of the whole situation. Well, if it was all about that, TCU wouldn't be in this thing. Like you, you TCU gave the committee an excuse to kind of brush it aside and put it in the five hole and get another quote unquote brand name in there, and they didn't. And I don't think they should have. I think that's why I say I think they got it right. Yeah, it, 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 it's not always the four best teams, guys. It's the four most deserving teams. Sure. Some, someone said that. And so I, I think you have to, you know, with, with only four spots, you know, we, we sit here all day and go, well, if it was this, that, and the other, you know, Alabama would beat these guys up. Um, 
Well, maybe, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it's uh, it's a situation where uh, it, that uh, TCU deserved to go over Bama, uh, and, and we move on. So yeah, I, and I, 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 I would it. even I I think you could even extrapolate it to the Heisman race. Like his numbers are down this year, so Bryce Young was not going to get to New York. I will tell you from my personal opinion, I still don't think there's a better college football quarterback than Bryce Young. And if you were to like say, okay, Mike, you have one game to win for a national championship and you can pick all the guys on the board. Okay. Including, um, Max Duggan, including, uh, Caleb Williams, including Stroud, including Bennett. I'm still going with Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is an extra level of special. You didn't see that to the full degree, although <laughs> you go back and you watch those losses to Tennessee and LSU, he made plays that nobody else in college football makes. He's incredibly accurate. Um, he's incredibly good. But we can't just base it on that. We have to base it on the results. So, therefore, he doesn't win a Heisman back-to-back years, and Alabama doesn't get into a 14 playoff. You, you, the game, we, What we do every Saturday – has to be a major factor in what we what our final resolution is for the playoff and for awards. And so that's where we are. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they got it wrong from that standpoint. Number right. two, Michael. Yeah, moving along to number two. I actually had this a little later, but since you were just discussing it, let's go ahead and bump it up, uh, bump it up the list here on the fly. Uh, the Heisman finalist, um, with everything that you just said there, uh, and that leads me d- directly into the question. Uh, that I had, should we see them expand it to one more slot, one more invite uh, to New York uh, for this? Because you mentioned Blake Corum earlier. You just mentioned Bryce Young. You just mentioned, uh, well, just let's throw out a guy like Hendon Hooker, who was this largely a story of the college football season, um, knowing that only one guy can win. How much of this should be a celebration of the, the tapestry that is the entire college football season and all of the guys that nabbed headlines for a majority of the weeks uh, as opposed to just trying to cram in two or three very difficult votes and, and a handful of guys getting the nod for New York. Well, I'll just say quickly, there are there have been years where we've had four, and there's no rule that says you can't have four. The way they do it, so and this year, and I realize some people are uh, complaining a little more than they need to be about how complicated the process was. They mixed it up. It was a little more difficult to navigate through the online instructions the Heisman for whatever reason decided to change the way it it, it does things um it's kind of like media members complaining about how cold the food is in the press box it's like nobody wants to hear that okay so but for but for when we when we fill it out it's it's just three there's only three slots number one number two number three name school after that, based on the amount of people that got votes, that's how they determine how many people go to New York. And it was clearly those three were way ahead of the others. So, yeah, you could make a case for Corum and Hooker could and should be there. Um, th- their their performances this year should not go unnoticed, uncelebrated, uh, if I can make up a word there. But, uh, but that's how it goes. And that, you know, it's not like they're saving money on a plane ticket. I think the Heisman Trust can afford it, but they just decided those three guys were so far ahead of the others that that would be all that gets to go. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm with you. I, I don't know. I kind of like no more than six. It just kind of depends. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't like limiting it to three. I'd, 
maybe it's the top four. I, I don't I don't know what the right number is, but there there are some guys that I think deserve to be there. Uh, but then, then you get then you talk about people talk about Bryce Young. I mean, based on this season, did he deserve to be there? I don't know. I don't know. So it's a, it's it's an interesting debate. Um, I think with three the four three or four something like that they you're gonna leave one guy out, you know, and and, and I think I, I always lean towards. It's the Heisman. It doesn't really mean what it used to mean. <laughs> Let's just be a little more inclusive with it, right? Well, if Stetson Bennett is there, uh, and you have to feel like the amount of votes that that a guy like Hendon Hooker got, I mean, he's got to be pretty close. Like, I, we'll uh, ultimately get the the final tally uh, on Saturday night, but you have to feel if Stetson Bennett is one of the the, the four finalists that get invited, Hooker had to be pretty close to him. Well, well, and then Hooker. I mean, why, why, why did he not make it? I mean, that's my question. I mean, do you, do you are we? I guess do we? It's supposed to be the best player in college football. So, are we going to hold it against him that he got hurt? I think that hurt him. Honestly, I, mean, I think and, that hurt and him. Is that fair? Is that no, fair? it's not fair. <laughs> I'll be you the know? first one to tell you it's not fair. But the injuries to Corum and Hooker. Now Hooker's got a little extra whammy against them because the last impression of Tennessee with all due respect to those who watched the Tennessee Vanderbilt uh, battle uh, the last impression of Tennessee is them getting waxed in Columbia against the Gamecocks now Hooker wasn't terrible in that game before the injury it was more so that Gamecocks offense just blasted Tennessee's D but I think that and then the injury it's like okay now we can just close the book and in such a close year where you're splitting hairs I think voters were looking for reasons to just whittle that that total down from a half a dozen guys to three, and that's what knocked out Hooker. Uh, it's unfortunate because I, again, Hooker was was terrific. He, he really was. Yeah, I I, I I just you know I, it seemed a little weird to me by that, but I, I don't know, man. I I know you're a Heisman voter, Mike. And whenever I complain about the Heisman Trophy, I think on a, on a radio show last week I said I'm done with the Heisman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I said a friend of mine's a voter, uh, and I respect what he has to say about it. But I'm done with it. And I, I just, I just started thinking about, you know, just I don't know some of the people that vote. I don't know what what my deal. Well, there's is, too many. I, there, yeah. First I, off, there's too many. Crazy. There, uh, you know, I've told this example before, and I'm not going to call him out on the podcast. But there's a guy I know uh, who used to be in the business. He hasn't been in broadcasting in any way, shape, or form. In about 15 years, 10 years, let's say 10 on the conservative side. Um, and and that's fine. Like, God bless him. He's found another uh, vocation and he's doing well in it. But he still has a vote. He still, <laughs> I mean, for, for, for 365 days out of the year, he doesn't, he has no platform. He doesn't have as much as a, a podcast or a talk show or anything um, he doesn't write for anybody. He doesn't do anything. I mean, he's just the guy at the party that when everybody is just trying to have a nice casual conversation, he's going on and on and on like he's an authority on college football and loves to tell everybody that he has a Heisman vote. Well, he shouldn't. Um, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of those. I still think, and I'm not here to sell you on the Heisman. Again, we get paid. Not, I, I don't get a dime for voting. I just do it because I love it. And they asked me to do it. I think it was 07 was my first vote, and I've I've kept doing it. Um, but it's the one award. Like, I can't tell you who won the NFL NFL MVP two years ago, but I remember every Heisman Trophy winner. I, I mean, it's still the one award as flawed as it is. 
that has the most prestige of any of them. Yeah. I can't tell you who won the NBA MVP five years ago. I can tell you who won the Heisman, right? I mean, that's that's the difference. That 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 is that that, that award for whatever reason, the way it's promoted, the, the the actual love of college football, people remember. Oh yeah, he won a Heisman, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on to number three. Uh, and guys, there's just uh, the, the coaching carousel. The, the the coins were dropped in the coaching carousel within the first uh, week with um, Scott Frost in, in Nebraska. And uh, we had a, a pretty rambunctious first five weeks of the season with uh, various coaching jobs coming open uh, with that. So uh, I'm not going to, to detail every single uh, coaching opening and, and coaching uh, hire that's been made and uh, and what's been left open. We'll, we'll just say right off the bat, uh, the most uh, recent uh, thing that has happened now uh, as we get prepared for this is Jeff Brom is going to leave Purdue and he will go uh, to Louisville uh, to be the the head coach. So I think uh, Louisville Cardinal fans are, uh, are finally going to get what they've been pining over for a, a very long time uh, with that one, uh, as we saw Scott Satterfield go to Cincinnati. Um, and that's just been a very weird, rocky dynamic uh, there between Satterfield and, and Louisville fans for a while, even some former players uh, calling out uh, their coach uh, before. Um, so just with all of this, uh, we, we know Dion has gone to, to Colorado. That's a, a huge, uh, you know, one of the, the bigger stories going on. Jamie Chadwell finally uh, gets his move away from Coastal Carolina, but he goes to Liberty. Um, mm. A little surprised that it's not uh, maybe a, a power five or, or a bigger uh, job, bigger opportunity for someone whose name has sort of been uh, bandied around the last couple of years mm-hmm. for jobs. But uh, guys, just uh, as we look at the the landscape now of, of the coaching carousel and where things go, what uh, I'll leave it open to, to you without a very specific question, but what has stood out the most to you over the last uh, seven days since the season is wrapped up? Well, let me let me start off with the honorable mentions. Um, the Chadwell thing hits home um, just having done a couple coastal games and the bowl game last year. And I know a lot of people nationally have been caught up with the story of coastal Carolina. Like they've become this uh, niche within a niche. Like they almost have a cult following. They love the turf. They love the story. They love it's a program near Myrtle beach. And Chadwell has been front and center for all of that. If I, if I'm a coastal fan, I hate to see him leave. Dude's a stud is so good for that program but here's the thing about Liberty. If you don't know, uh, Mike, Michael, you mentioned they're not a power five, but they have power five money. I don't know where it comes from. I mean, it's donations, obviously. Uh, you don't make that kind of money by going from one double A to independent to conference USA is where they're going to land, which is that is like the bottom group five league in, in some respects, but they got money. That's how they almost kept lane. Uh, and that's how they got a, a guy that was very happy, to my knowledge, at Coastal. He certainly gave up that uh, that vibe. And I'm sure Coastal offered everything they could find. But I'm not sure if Coastal has the the piggy bank from boosters that Liberty does. They're, they're just a unique uh, situation. And obviously, people like Lane, um, excuse me, people like Hugh Freeze have proven you can win at Liberty. They just beat an SEC school on the road this year in Arkansas, and they've got other quality wins like it. So uh, I just wanted to say, and the latest news on Brom, you know, 
Louisville is is like home for him. That's all I can say on that. So it's just like a homecoming. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a knock on Purdue. The the biggest ones that stand out. It's it's, it, it's going to be Hugh Freeze at Auburn for for reasons that go uh, off the field, and it's going to be Dion. And the Dion one, I mean, you could do a whole show on Dion. I again, I'm glad. I I love this whole setup. It's going to be grossly fascinating. <laughs> so um, I get a kick out of some of the the media people who are applaud, like literally get out the pom-poms and applaud it from the standpoint of, oh, he's going to do great. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to do this. Really? How do you know? Based on a couple of years of Jackson State? Uh, I mean, you don't know. Colorado has been, they've been in the abyss, if not worse than that, for a while. They, uh, it's a challenging job. Dion has no contacts or connections with that part of the country. And Dion has to, like, there's going to be a little more, dare I say, pressure on Dion. So I think it's great. I'm glad he got the opportunity. I'm going to be watching. It's going to be fascinating. But I can't sit here and tell you, like some other people that do what we do, that are just telling you making sure you understand how brilliant a hire it is and how Dion can't fail because of X, Y, and Z. You don't know that. I've seen people with a lot better track records than Dion Sanders get a job and fail at big-time college football. So uh, we shall find out and see. But but that's easily the most fascinating hire to me for so many reasons. Man, I, I may eat my words because, uh, you know, I, I think coaching – higher grades sometimes turn out a lot like NFL draft grades. You never know. Um, so I, uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney was a D minus grade or D plus grade when Clemson hired him. Uh, but, but there's some repeat offenders here with these, some of these institutions. And then there's, there's some institutions that made hires this time that just don't, don't make any sense uh, in, in my opinion. Um, and again, that doesn't mean they won't be successful. Like, uh, you know, I, I think the top hires, uh, if for my in my opinion, or Auburn, Hugh Freeze, I, uh, and Auburn normally surprises us, right? That they'll they'll reach back for a former assistant and rock and roll that way. And then the Harson thing was out of left field, but Hugh Freeze, there were two guys for that job, Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze, and they got one of them. And as long mm-hmm. as they got one of them, I think they can get back back in the high life again, so to speak, as Steve Winwood sings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Wisconsin hiring Luke Fickle, different kind of hire for them. Sometimes you get in trouble doing that, just like Auburn, who I just mentioned. Uh, you know, They're going outside of the family. They fired a guy with a 67 and 26 record. But Luke Fickle was fast-tracked to get, um, you know, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, one of those, Notre Dame. Uh, I think Notre Dame probably wishes they had had him uh, at certain points this year. Uh, Jeff Brahms always made sense. He came close to going home to Louisville the last time, but he just got into Purdue. Uh, I sat there and thought about it when the Satterfield News broke and said, well, he's probably accomplishing. He took Purdue to the Big Ten championship game. I mean, that's uh, that's probably the ceiling there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Louisville, uh, Louisville in the NIL space, transfer portal space, uh, if you go in there and treat it like Louisville, which I don't know that Scott Satterfield ever did, I think you had to treat it like App State, um, recruit South Florida, run exciting offenses, uh, battle, be you know, be proud of where you're at, uh, 
don't piss off your boosters like Satterfield did. Um, you can win there. I mean, they're they're in the Atlantic Division, but the ACC is doing away with divisions anyway. So there's there's no reason. I, I, that's a fantastic hire. Number four would be Tom Herman at FAU. Mm. Uh, that's a tremendous hire by them. I know people are going to compare it to Lane Kiffin, but man, oh man! I mean, that guy should have probably been back in the game. Uh, and then rule at Nebraska. I thought. You know, of the guys, you know, rules one of those guys, successful college coach, goes to the league, fails, comes back, you know, is a kind of a wizard in terms of rebuilding programs quickly. Uh, he's taken over some much worse situations than Nebraska at Temple and then at Baylor, for goodness sake, after the scandal. So I think it's the top five. And here's what – here's here are the mind blowers. You know, UNLV – which is a, which I think has potential. I've always thought they've never been good, but they always make terrible hires. Marcus Arroyo, I knew somebody, you know, no offense to him. I don't know him personally. I'm not trying to insult the guy. I knew some people that coach with him. They were like, my God. <laughs> yes, he's the OC at Oregon, but not, you know, not a very good one. Say so hire him and then they punt and then you have a chance to possibly, and I, I don't know, maybe he turned it down, but you have a chance to hire Coach O. Ed Orgeron bringing him to Vegas with his Red Bulls and recruiting prowess and all that and, and get people excited by bringing in – you have a, a national championship head coach. I mean, they did that with John Robinson one time, and, and things got better before they got worse again. And you go with Barry Odom. Now, Barry Odom's a heck of a coach, man. Don't get me wrong. But he's about as exciting as cardboard. And, and I think in Vegas, where, where you're trying to kind of compete with for entertainment dollars and all that – I mean, I, I just think it was another another blah hire. Kevin mm-hmm. Wilson has been wanting to get a job for forever and get back in. Tulsa's a great stepping stone job. They finally sacked Montgomery, and you sort of, that. A lot of these remind me of the Tommy Tuberville hire at Cincy, which didn't work out on the mid major level. Uh, that's a hire that's probably not going to get anybody excited. Uh, Satterfield going to Cincinnati. I mean. Satterfield would have been a fool not to take that job because of look who's coached at Cincinnati and where they've gone. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It is kind of awkward because Cincinnati plays Louisville in the uh, Fenway bowl coming up. Uh, It's kind of for the battle of the Kago nails, by the way, there's a, there's a, there's a Kago nails at stake. Um, I've always liked Scott Satterfield. I thought that the situation at Louisville, there was just a lot that unraveled pretty quickly there. Um, I think he'll do fine at Cincy and probably use that as a boost somewhere else. Tim Beck going to uh, freaking Coastal. Why? I mean, why? I mean, this guy's offense never finished in the top half of the ACC. His offenses at Texas were bad. It's his first head coach. What? Why is? Why does he have this job? Coastal should have. Coastal's had enough success. They could go out and hire. You know, whoever they want. I mean, they would have been better off hiring like Jeff Scott, uh, who had a four and twenty-eight record at USF, uh, than this guy. I don't know who pulls the strings at Coastal or whatnot, but I mean, it, you know, maybe he wins. Like I said, but I doubt it. Um, you know, I, I think that they might have been blindsided. I don't know if they thought Chadwick was well, Chad. Excuse me, Chadwell was. In a hurry to leave. Don't panic and hire Tim Beck. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe it, 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 you know, just because you're not a good coordinator doesn't mean you won't be a good head coach. But I've just I've just never been. 
I mean, it's almost like uh, somebody called in a favor or something. I, I, I don't know. I think Chadwell's a great hire at Liberty. Um, he's a guy that's just going to – I think he almost was is too good to take that job, although the money's there. Uh, but he's one of those guys, kind of like Dan Mullen. Uh, everybody says, you know, doesn't 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 interview well, doesn't do this, and he probably doesn't. Uh, neither did Steve Spurrier, by the way, uh, and saw what happened there. But he can coach. Jamie Chadwell's just like Dan Mullen, great coach. Once Dan got the chance, he showed you uh, the Dion thing. You know, I think if you're Colorado and you're, you're trying to kind of wake up the echoes, and I can't believe people graded it an A minus or, or whatever. I'd I'd give it a solid C. Because Dion was going to take one job. They did have competition uh, with South Florida and, and all that. But Colorado, you know, probably when Dion was playing college football, Colorado was a power. So he sees the potential there. But it's a, it's just such a new day there because you're in the Pac-12, not the Big 12. You hadn't won in, in, in a long time. You, you've kind of filtered through coaches. Carl Durrell was a disaster. Durrell was a worse hire than Tim Beck. Um, South Florida probably, you know, I don't know why Alex Golish got that job other than, oh, look, pretty scoreboard light up. Uh, but he's only going to get a year and a half anyway because they're going to get mad at him and fire him. Uh, I think Texas Te- Texas State made a great hire. G.J. Kenny from Incarnate Word, uh, where they've been winning and lighting it up. You know, I mentioned Tom Herman. I thought that was good. Trent Dilfer, to me, is interesting. I know him a little bit because he used to cover the Elite 11. Is Trent going to be able to – to run a college football program and Bill Clark, pretty good coach. You know, that was interesting. I thought tech Georgia tech brick key is probably the, the guy they need right now. Uh, you know, I, I also think Kenny Dillingham taking Arizona state, you know, he's one of their own. He's from the Phoenix area. He's young. Don't get me wrong. He's young, 32 years old, but uh, I know a lot of good things about him. And then Charlotte, Gave the job to Biff Pogey, um, who I've heard some good things about it, but this dude's 62. Um, helped Harbaugh behind the scenes at Michigan. Uh, has some connections to the the high schools up there in, uh, in Baltimore as well. So, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, <laughs> I, think I think that covers every, every hire. Yeah. I think it's interesting. No, yeah, I went through the list and gave my opinion. So, I was like uh, – you know, I, I just wanted to kind of because I, I had a lot to say about these. I, you, you do, know, and, I, and I'm, I'm not I, like I said, and I'll, I'll be curious to see who Stanford hires. Uh, you know, maybe maybe just want to hire Derek Mason and, and keep the thing running. Ooh. You know, run it straight into the ground more. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, proof proof that we never. Wow. <laughs> Michael's getting uh, choppy. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but we all thought that Jim Leonard was going to get the job at Wisconsin. Yeah, and and we all thought that Brent, the Dion or somebody bigger was going to go to Georgia Tech. So just proof that Brent Key did the job, got to be the interim, then to then to full time head coach, and Jim Leonard is, uh, you know, replaced by Luke Fickle, and he's you know openly announced, hey, I'm pretty much going to be a, a free agent defensive coordinator. Hey, whoever wants me. Yeah, Jim Leonard should have gone to Coastal. I mean, why didn't Coastal Carolina hire Jim Leonard? I mean, I've got a list of 15 people. But could they have gotten Jim Leonard? They they have they have some money. I mean, they're not poor. Yeah, but... well, I know that. I'm just saying, like, Jim Leonard, maybe this is just not his cycle. 
But next year, I have to think he's going to be a top five hire. No doubt. I mean, he's a right? great coach. I mean, so, so I'm not knocking. Co- I'm not knocking Coastal when I say that. I just kind of bragged on him a few moments ago. But I don't know if that's the job that Jim Leonard is waiting on. I think Jim exactly. Leonard's thinking, okay, fine. Wisconsin just snubbed me, right? <laughs> um, but I'm still. I'm taking a high profile job because I've earned it, damn it. Uh, yeah. have, you, have you seen what my defenses have done? Yeah. No, I, no. I'm 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 ready for the next five million plus power five gig. And that's what I think he should get and would get. And just for the record, Michael, I never thought Deion at Georgia Tech was ever a possibility. I, I don't th- know. Just, I just know that we like having the the discussion, you know, that was well, that was more of well, a yeah. no. getting the job. Yeah, no, I I'm not I'm not um calling you specifically out on that but a lot of people were rumoring that i never thought dion to auburn was a possibility and i never thought dion to georgia tech was a possibility yeah uh, I didn't would i have guessed colorado in a million years no but i didn't think those two schools i didn't think that was going to happen i like usf uh and you and i, I guess i've seen that I usf seen that. actually yeah right near fort myers where he's from but yeah usf but, they made it i didn't think they make it get hard but in fairness they did strike out, I think, on Chadwell and Dion before they got to Goldish. So. I mean, the problem again. I'm going to feel the wrath of USF Nation. They, they've Correct. just their stock has it has fallen. They've just fallen on tough times. You know, UCF took off at the same time. USF. Uh, there's still there's still things you can build. I mean, one of the big advantages UCF has is they've got they built their own on campus stadium, and USF is playing at Raymond James, and that for some people that matters. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully USF will get back to the promised land and, and go from there. All right. Moving along to uh, question number four here. And again, we could do an entire show just on this topic, but I mean, it, it, the door literally opened and, uh, and the floodgates is it's been flowing uh, ever since I think nearly a thousand names that includes walk-ons as well. So I, I'd probably put it at maybe 600 or so, um, you know, maybe legitimate starters or or uh, or two deep players here, but uh, guys, the, the transfer portal is open. Um, I know we discussed some a uh, little bit of, of the surprise uh, with the ACC, the amount of ACC quarterbacks uh, that have jumped in. I, I know a question that I threw out in some of the first few weeks are, hey, when are we going to see DJ finally get uh, get the hook from the quarterback position? And it never never quite happened. Um, but then. The last few weeks, things didn't go quite as well, and he saw the writing on the wall uh, there at Clemson, one of the biggest names from the ACC uh, to uh, depart in the transfer portal. But let's just, uh, you know, again, it's going to be the portal, the portal, the portal, Mike, as you mentioned at the outset of the show. Uh, But for this right now, some of the biggest names that are out there, the free agency that is what it is, uh, where do you see guys like DJ uh, going, and, and where do we see maybe some of the other names that could surprise us here at any moment that uh, this will be uh, it'll be old by the time this podcast drops. Some of the names yeah. coming out. No one, no one can better tell you that the lifeblood of a program is still recruiting than, than JC, who knows it as well as anybody uh, in the country. But clearly, this is now this is like one B. Southern Cal doesn't do what they do without. I think it was twenty six guys in the portal, many of them from Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, I know it didn't end the, quite the way they wanted, but that was supposed to be like a rebuild year with all they lost. They hit the portal and they jackpot. Uh, for some programs, it's, it is essential that you are successful in the portal. For others, it's a nice complimentary piece. But 
I think it's I, I think we are now at a point where again it's it's the way NFL fans salivate when the free agency period starts and they can't wait to see who their teams are able to sign. This is uh this is from Tom Van Haren of ESPN. Top I always look at the quarterback first, obviously. Uh number one, he's got Devin Leary from NC State. I mean, who would have thought Devin Leary is gonna leave hey. NC State after the career he's had there? Spencer Sanders, another one. Who would have thunk it? Oklahoma State, Portal. DJ, you mentioned Clemson, Portal. Austin Reed of Western Kentucky. I don't think most of us are that familiar with him. Uh, he's put up insane numbers. Seems like everybody does at Western. Before that, he won a Division II national championship at West Florida. Uh, he's got him number four in the portal, which tells me NFL people are looking at Austin Reed. Uh, Davis Bryn, Tulsa, Portal. Hudson Card, Texas, Portal. Number seven, boy, Brennan Armstrong was the best thing since sliced bread a year ago. This year, like everything else, uh, and, and I don't, I hate to even be the least bit critical of Virginia considering what they've been through. Again, I was out there two weeks before the tragedy, and I can tell you that even before that happened, they were abysmal on offense with this guy, and he regressed somehow. I don't know. I mean, I've, I, it was like epic proportions. So he had to get out. Um, but there's talent there. There, Brendan Armstrong has talent. He can run. He can throw. He, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, he's got an NFL skill set. Uh, he's number seven on the list. Portal. True Pie, Notre Dame. My goodness. Um, I mean, that's one where it's like, really? Wow. Uh, Portal. Luke Altmeyer, Ole Miss. A lot of people thought he was going to be the starter. Portal. Nick Evers, Oklahoma, number 10 portal. And, of course, Cade McNamara has already transferred to Iowa. So those were, are those are the top 10 QBs in the portal. And, J.C., when you look at it, that's a hell of a list. I mean, in the old days, you wouldn't find that much gold if you were mining for quarterback transfers. But now with the portal and not being forced to sit out for a year, this is the new normal. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, some of those guys – I don't know that they're ever going to be good. Some of them, like the kid from Western Kentucky, he's probably going to end up being better than everybody thinks. And then you got Drew Pine, who just got mad <laughs> and bolted. Uh, my understanding is Notre Dame informed him we're going to take a transfer quarterback, and he's like, "All right, I'm out. See Peace. ya." Um, and uh, you know, Cade McNamara needed. You know, Iowa is a great. Obviously, Iowa needs a dang quarterback. Good lord, they were atrocious but uh you know that that's that that makes total sense and he i think he's hauling one of michigan's tight ends with him um you know some of these other guys hudson card you know writing was on the wall they got uh arch manning coming in and and and, and the other guy starting right now who's what, what's it? nick uh what's his name texas is starting quarterback he, he, he geez. yours yours nick yours or yeah mm -hmm. yours quinn quinn yours yes Hmm. Irish names. Quinn yours. Quinn yours. Not to be confused uh, with Nick Evers. Nick Evers, right. Uh good player. I mean, you know, uh Spencer Sanders, good. You know, Devin Leary. I uh I'm I'm curious to see if if he ends up maybe like at Missouri, you know, because Missouri has gotten gutted in the portal, but the speculation was because Eli Drinkwitz kind of recruited him to NC State. Maybe he would end up there, but uh 
Yeah, lots of a quarterback shuffling. Not sure that's going to be quite as impactful as last year as as we sit here today. Um, you, you know, but I, I think that you know it, it, that position, particularly the Mike, and like I always give you credit. You talk about it all the time. It's it's the most important by far. And so uh, more so than ever. Yeah. And more so than ever. And if you don't have a good, good quarterback play, uh, you're, you're dead in the water. And uh, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see who takes a chance on some of these guys. DJ to me is uh, the, the closest quarterback. That's very intriguing. Cause I just don't know where he fits. I don't, I don't know what his upside is. Uh, I, I, you know he what he th- you know what it reminds know, me of JC. Who kind of- you, well, not in terms of like the total skill set, but I think what he needs to do is go to a lower level. And yeah. I think of a kid like Jeff Driscoll, who played for Will Muschamp at Florida, was a elite eleven quarterback, showed signs, had a really good like sophomore year, and then like the rest of uh, Florida under Will Muschamp went downhill. Nice. So what did he do? He transferred to La Tech put up gross numbers under Skip Holtz and was on an NFL roster for a few years. I don't know what what I think he's done now. My point is, is that he was a kid whose confidence was clearly shot and that can happen. You know, sometimes I think we forget we we're talking about 19, 20, 21 year olds and they're playing in front of 90,000 people and they're getting blasted on a, on the reg Mm -hmm. on message boards and Twitter and every other social media outlet. And so sometimes a bright light, you're not going to shine brightest under it. And, and so it's almost like, let, let me just go recalibrate at a smaller school. And that's what I could see for DJ. Like DJ doesn't have to just jump at the biggest name school that comes a calling. It's, oh, if the if you're good enough, the NFL is going to find you. They are going to find, ask Jimmy Garoppolo, ask, uh, you know, we, we've now got two 1AA quarterbacks in, in, in uh, what, uh, Trey Lance and... um. Yeah. Oh shoot! The kid at Green Bay. I just drew a blank. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Anyway, you know, you, you, um, say that again. Love, Michael. Talent, love. Thank you, Jordan Love. And you know, before that, you had you got Joe Flacco from Delaware. And my point is, like, if DJ can find it, if he can go reach back in and find it, he's going to be fine. So I don't think you, I don't think you just jump there. And and to your other point, just to put a bow on this, uh, you mentioned JC before we went on air about how many ACC guys there are. I mean, this doesn't include Phil, Phil Jerkovich. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of speculation of Sam Hartman leaving Wake. And and Drake May, again, if Drake May wants to just, this could be another almost like experiment that I'd be fast, much like the Dion thing. Mm-hmm. This would be a fascinating experiment. If Drake May wanted to, I don't think he's this kind of kid. Yeah, you know his brother played basketball in North Carolina. He's Chapel Hill through and through. I think he's staying. But if he wanted to, okay, he's got one more year for his draft eligible, and many scouts believe he's going to be number one. Him and Caleb Williams, he could just say, "Here's my price: um, five million, eight million, ten million. Who wants it?" And and just let the NIL quote unquote NIL um, money come flying in and go to the highest bidder like he is that kind of talent that could do that i don't think he will but he could and if he did it'd be awfully interesting that would set a precedent for sure um you know i i i, I think there's going to do it guys 
I think there are very few players. That Somebody probably already that. has done it. I, I think there are very few college players that are worth that, but Drake may, may, he may be. You know, well, the kid from Tennessee hasn't done squat, right? The kid, uh, the yeah, kid that signed the, to Tennessee, the from nine California. million dollar man, yeah. Okay, yeah. so he hasn't thrown a pass in college. He hasn't taken a snap in college football, and he got you said nine million. Is that the number? Yeah, yeah. So here's a guy, and I know it, the season didn't end the way that Drake May wanted, but <laughs> could you imagine like Drake May in Tuscaloosa playing for Nick Saban in Alabama next year? Uh, I mean, he. If he wanted to do it, he could. He would command a very, very high price tag. Yeah, he's a special player, and and you know, there's only a handful of guys like that. But what 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 would happen would be he starts doing that, and then like you're just above average guys would start doing that, thinking they're going to get paid, right. and uh, you know, and, and and that's that's part of the reason why the the portal thing, Mike and Michael, it's going to take a while for it to kind of you know sort itself out, and and for it to kind of stabilize right now it's a very disruptive uh thing in college football i think you know once about 40 percent of these guys that could have stayed and finished out their degree and they thought somebody somewhere told them or they thought they could just you know go to alabama <laughs> and play uh i i think once they kind of figure all this out after a while um and the, the money you know they're not really worth that much money you know regardless uh, i think once they figure that out it'll be uh you know, it, we'll have some balance return to the force, so to speak. Well, at the at the risk of opening up a, a crack and open the lid on another Pandora's box here is part of the issue now, as I understand it, at least for the next couple of years, there's not the 25 man roster limit. Uh, Correct. It's recruiting mm-hmm. limit. So as long as you don't exceed 85 scholarships, uh, you can oversign wink, wink, and then you can promise you know, being taken care of in, in other ways with NIL, if I'm if I'm understanding that correctly. So the opportunity for players to not necessarily be a scholarship player, but go be a full-on free agent at another school is just right for the picking and why this is, uh, you know, such a – the Wild West right now. Yeah. It could, I haven't seen that happen yet. You know, there's going to come a day where a team's over uh, and then the, you know, the, the 87th, 86th guy – they they get taken care of with an IL and all that, but it's uh, I haven't seen that happen quite yet. But I, I know a lot of coaches are scared that that will. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, final question um, or or again thoughts. Um, and, and again, I don't know how much you guys got into it uh, last week, but we did officially finally see the Rose Bowl step aside. Uh, we are going to have a twelve team playoff um, again. This is now the penultimate uh, final four uh, that we will have, uh, but just using. Uh, the uh, you know, the the current standard uh, and the setup for what a 12-team playoff will look like in two years, uh, this is what we would have. Uh, Georgia, number one. Michigan, number two. Clemson would be number three. Utah, number four. They would all get the first-round buys. Uh, Georgia would play uh, an 8-9 matchup between Tennessee and Kansas State. Utah would play a 5-12 matchup between TCU and Tulane. Again, how awesome will it be for Tulane to be able to say, hey, we were in the college football playoff. That's why I can't wait for this to to, to come to fruition. Uh, Clemson would play the winner of a 6-11 matchup with Ohio State and Penn State. And then we would have Michigan uh, playing the 7-10 matchup of Alabama and Southern Cal. I know we have to wait for it, guys, but – Pretty damn exciting that we're finally, ultimately going to get to a point where 
I, I don't know how much argument you're going to get from team 13 or team 14. Uh, um, I think once we settle in this 12 team playoff, it feels like this is going to be the thing that we, that we settle into and have for quite a long time. And I'm pretty darn excited about it. I don't know how you're not excited. If you're one of those that, I mean, I still hear people going, well, well really what a sold this year was the BCS. Like who, who are you? What, what, what makes you tick? What, what could possibly make you want to go back to that system? Mm-hmm. Um, Look, I, I always thought the number was eight. When I heard 12, I, I looked at it with a very cynical eye. And then I looked at the formula, and I looked at the, the way they covered the bases and the fact that every game still matters. Don't tell me the conference championship games don't matter. A first-round bye is on the line. That absolutely matters. So, in other words, if you're Georgia and you've already wrapped up a trip to the playoff like they did this year, you think they're still going to be motivated for a first-round bye? Absolutely. How about motivation for playing a first-round game at home, which that hasn't been finalized, but I think that'll be in the cards. Um, I, I I was beyond impressed with the formula. I don't think it could be, and I've never said this about something in college football. Never. <laughs> because as we always talk about, it's such a good product, and yet it's so incredibly flawed from the leadership and the way things have been done. And, you know, we're talking about a sport that not, not that long ago couldn't even get a true national champion. We would have, we'd have split titles and waiting on polls and voters, and, and people, aliens were looking down on us and, like, laughing uh, as they got ready to determine their title <clears throat> with the annual Alien Bowl and going, look at those crazy Americans. I mean— I'm sure they spoke in like Morse code. It wasn't actually in English, but you get my point. Um, and if you don't, it's probably because it was a little convoluted, but that's okay. Um, I I just think this is this is fantastic. And kudos to those that stood up to the Rose Bowl and said, look, I'm sorry. We know you want to play and you want the start time to be when the sun is setting and I, I'm not knocking the Rose Bowl. It's I'm, it's a beautiful venue. It's a we all love pageantry. We love tradition. But this had to be done, and you couldn't let one bowl game hold it up. So kudos to the backbone, the spine that it took to say no. You're either in or you are out, and that's what it took. Essentially, an ultimatum. And kudos to for those that said, well, you know, it's not going to ever get done early. It's contracts, and they they broke the contract. Um, it's going to get done early. We're going to we're going to go to twelve as soon as it possibly could be done, and I think it's 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 a win 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 win. And for those that are still cynical, I I I can't help you. Um, this is a terrific thing for college football. Yeah, the only thing I can't wrap my head around is the format. And and like, I, I love the idea of campus games in January, but but I, I also think that. You know, eventually these things are going to get really valuable, right? Uh, but if you're one of the top four teams, you know, you, you don't get a home game. Not um, now. Not I'm now. I'm still wondering if that is being discussed. I don't. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 and that kind of you know get the get to loggerheads with the Bulls because it's like they're not going to sit there and go, oh, the Vegas Bulls on the 17th, the Bahamas Bulls on the 17th. Is they, oh, well, let's put let's put the uh, the first round in those bowls and make it all neutral sites. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I I don't know what they, how they really want to do it. Because I mean, you could literally have this. Okay, so so let's say you're Southern Cal, right, guys? 
and you were the number one team in the in America, America, right? <laughs> and you got uh, the bye. You're number one, America. Uh, and then the eight nine game is oh I don't know, Alabama and uh, uh, name your team Texas somebody Texas A and M somebody like that, and uh, Alabama or, or let's say let's say it's uh, it's Auburn, you know. Uh, any team in the in the SEC Eastish. All right, so they get the home game. Bama gets the home game, right? Well, then let's say the Peach Bowl is the quarterfinal bowl. You, you're going to play a a road game, basically. <laughs> uh, whereas the eight seed gets two straight home games, essentially. Um, so I don't know. You know that that that's what I can't wrap my head around with it. I love the format. I love the idea. I think the number. And and the the teams that get in, guys, uh, I think it's 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 the only way I think I would have agreed. And Mike and I used to talk about this all the time about not creating a group of five playoff because uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, well, twelve is enough to sneak one of those guys in, and, and then you give them the carrot of, oh, look, you know, uh, it's this top six conference champion. So if you have kind of a down conference champion in one of the leagues, you can get two group of five teams in. Um, and it just hit me, Mike, that that's probably another reason uh, that they're going for the top two teams in championship games, because you don't want like a seven and five pit winning the ACC and knocking your whole conference out of the playoff. So that's uh, most likely in some situations. So um, yeah, I, I just can't figure out the home game bowl game, uh, and the most fair way to possibly do that. I just can't, I can't wrap my head around it. All right. Well, all, all good points guys. And again, very exciting time ahead for all college football fans. And, you know, even those that might, might just be casual viewers. Um, I think they can get on board with understanding an expanded playoff and who knows who might, uh, might grow the crazy game of college football even further. Uh, once we get this thing rolling here in 2024. Um, all right. It's time for an SEC spotlight. And uh, we'll go with uh, some breaking news out of the SEC. Uh, not a complete shock here, but uh, Will Levis of Kentucky has declared for the NFL draft, uh, joining Florida's Anthony Richardson, which may have been a little <laughs> bit more of a surprise. Uh, but gentlemen, uh, there you go. Why don't, why don't we jump in on, on that one? Again, another bookend conversation uh, from uh, this guy's going to win the Heisman uh, to, oh, uh, again, uh, tons of uh, tons of raw talent and ability, not quite the production, but uh, Anthony Richardson's going to the NFL, gentlemen. So we'll kick off the SEC spotlight with that. Well, this is this is interesting on so many levels because the Will Levis bashing has reached uh, epic proportions because a lot of people resented the fact that some people had him as the top quarterback coming out, and look. I know Kentucky had one of its worst offensive years in a while, but if you can't block in the SEC and you don't have elite talent around you on offense, you're going to have some issues. That's not saying Will played great football. Will may, Sometimes Will was his own enemy, committed turnovers that he didn't need to commit. Um, he wasn't always the most accurate passer downfield, but – I saw enough of him the year before to be convinced he can play at the next level and play well. I don't know what Anthony Richardson is. He is a physical freak that if he goes to the combine, he's going to he's gonna show out. I mean, he's big. 
He's fast. He's everything. But he's also everything that I t- I was told that he was from none other than Shane Matthews, who's the analyst from Florida Radio, who coached against him in high school, believe it or not. And he says he's the same player. Like he's just he's he looks great, but he's a flawed he's a flawed quarterback. The Mel Kuypers of the world are drooling over him. So I don't know. I mean, I, I if you ask me, who am I going to take out of those two? I'll I'll roll the dice on Will Levis. If you're taking Anthony Richardson, you're basically rolling. Uh, you hear this term a lot more in, in the NBA draft than in the NFL draft. Upside. You're just banking on the fact that someday it's all going to come together, and this guy's physical freakiness is going to come through, almost to a, a much lesser extent of, of Josh Allen, because uh, Josh Allen didn't light it up. But again, he was at Wyoming. <laughs> I can't even imagine trying to throw a football in Laramie. Uh, Anthony Richardson wasn't surrounded by the most elite talent, but they had some talent at Florida the last couple of years. And the fact of the matter is, when they needed him to make trustworthy throws in big games he didn't make them i i I, that one that one to me is going to be one of the most intriguing players in the draft i still think will levis is going to be a high pick i don't know what anthony richardson is going to be yeah somebody will take a flyer the nfl guys love upside right (laughs) they all think that they can um jc we could be talking first round flyer could be. if you believe if you believe some of the like the Mel Kuypers of the world, I've seen this now by more than one NFL draft expert that believes Anthony Richardson is a first round pick, if not a top 20 pick. Now, that would be one of the most um, out there picks in terms of lack of productivity on the big stage at the quarterback position that we've seen. I with him. I mean, I, I I didn't think he was very good. Uh, I thought that, you know, in, in some of the games that he did well, he just happened to be on. And, uh, you know, I thought he's more of a runner. I I, I strongly believe he should have come back. Um, I, I don't know what coming back to Florida would have necessarily done with him. It's not necessarily a offense that prepares you to play quarterback in the NFL. But, uh, you know, I, I'm – he is a long-term project and uh, I don't, I, I, I guess scouts and, and it's easy to do this because you're always projecting. I've done it with recruiting rankings before you're projecting long-term. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the, that that's kind of what I think they're doing it. I, I don't think it'll be a, a, a franchise that has an immediate, you know, quarterback uh, need, but then again, you know, most of them, most all of them do. So, I mean, like, like the 49ers, I, I think. I know they love Trey Lance and all that, but, you know, you, you sit there and you see, well, is, you know, some guys get injured one time and they get injured a bunch, and you're like, well, hey, we could we could keep Anthony Richardson warm here and all that. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what uh, what will happen? But, but um, I see the tools, physical. I just don't see the processing and the ability to go run uh, at all. Uh, an NFL offense. That that's the part that's just going to have to take uh, a long, long time. All right, and uh, gentlemen, the next question in the SEC spotlight for me, uh, just again, more of a longer form deal. Uh, I didn't get to discuss this last week. Um, obviously, Hugh Freeze is at Auburn now, but it, this centers on the guy that he was in uh, competition with, 
Uh, but Lane Kiffin, um, I have been one of Lane Kiffin's harshest critics uh, over the, the the time that I had covering college football and some of the shenanigans that uh, that went on with him. And he obviously has leaned into it a little bit more. Um, but is this a point now where we're, you know, I, I don't want to say he turned down or shunned Auburn, but but not pursuing uh, and again, at least publicly holding to his word. I'm not taking that job. I'm not going there, signing the extension, staying with Ole Miss. Um, have we uh, maybe officially seen the the corner turned uh, for someone like Lane Kiffin in his coaching career now? Is he is he all grown up now? <laughs> or, or or do we just kind of yeah don't don't believe the sleight of hand just yet? I think he's I think he's in a much better spot than he was before. I was not a huge Lane Kiffin guy ten years ago. A lot of things Lane did that did not strike me as a guy that I'd want to invest. I mean, again, when we're talking about head coaches at the collegiate level, for those that find the need to be critical of the uh, the salaries and try to talk about cheap labor and all this. Uh, stuff. You're, the head coaching in college, compared to what, what a guy does in the NFL, you are truly the CEO of a program. It's you're recruiting, you're selling, you're public speaking, you're doing all these things that NFL coaches don't want to and don't have to deal with. So uh, at that point in time, I don't know if I wanted Lane front and center in that role. Now I get it. I think it's a I think it's a great marriage in Oxford. He's got it out of his system. He's he's flirted with some other opportunities. I don't think Auburn would have been a good match. Uh, I think he did the right thing, and he's going to get paid very well to stay in Oxford. And if he goes eight and four, they'll, they'll pat him on the back and say, "Nice job." If he goes eight and four with a win in the Egg Bowl, uh, they'll buy him a, a, an extra etouffee uh, at uh, Boudray or you know one of the fine restaurants over there in the square of Oxford. I, I, I think it's a, I think he's got excitement and buzz in the air in Oxford. And if he stays there for 10 years, I think there'll be a consistent winner and maybe he has that one breakthrough year that they haven't had in Oxford. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for it. I think Lane's good for the league. I, I like Lane from an entertainment entertainment standpoint again. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a, everybody has a, you know, Look, we, we everybody has a different growth curve and all that those other things. I, I think Lane's in a in a great spot right now. Yeah, I do too. I, I, yeah, I think you make a good. Uh, I mean, it's easy to jump at Auburn. Uh, everybody kind of feel bad because everybody, you know, Ole Miss has had such a good run under uh, under Kiffin, and really they weren't bad under Luke, and they're really good under Hugh Freeze. Ole Miss has kind of had, you know, a I think a lot of people when when Cutcliffe left thought that was maybe the glory those were maybe the glory years. Uh they've been really good. Um and it just has to suck to hear everybody sit there and talk about how your neighbor over there is, is such a better job, you know, the whole time. And it is. I mean, they, they, people are telling the truth. Um so I kind of feel bad for Ole Miss to have to go through that. But um, you know, Kiffin, uh I think the quality of life there's good. And, and here's the other thing too, guys. Nobody's getting fired at Ole Miss for not going to the SEC championship game, right? Uh, you get fired at Ole Miss for not making a bowl and losing to Mississippi State. Uh, and and I think that's a much uh, more achievable and realistic uh, uh, opportunity in terms of job security, if the money's the same, um, than having to go to Auburn where – 
you know, even if you go undefeated one year or win a national championship one year, you could be fired within the next two <laughs> very easily. Uh, and plus your expectation is to beat Alabama and, and to go to the championship game and to, and to probably, and probably to win national championships. So uh, the expectations are just so much different. Um, and if you look at the on field results, you know, yes, when Auburn swings up, they're up, but then they'll swing right back down. And, and it's not, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, they haven't had that sustained success. So, you know, you, your history shows you for the last 20 years that, uh, you could be going along fine one day and the next day you're fired. So uh, I think job security is a big part of it. His family, I think Ole Miss fans stepping up with, with the collective out there for NIL helps him recruit, which he loves doing. Uh, and he's got kind of a niche there with the portal. And yeah, I mean, you know, he, he doesn't have to coach with a lot of pressure. Uh, and I think for a guy who was young, who got the dang Raiders job when freaking Al Davis was the owner uh, and then the Southern Cal job right after he got left Tennessee after a year. Uh, I, I think it's funny how Kiffin's almost going in reverse. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you go from your harder jobs or Southern Cal working for Al Davis, working for Nick Saban. Boom. You're living in Boca coaching FAU. Uh, and then you're back at Ole Miss where, you know, frankly, if you, if you made it to Atlanta one day, they'd be beside themselves. Um, and they just want you to beat Mississippi State. So uh, that's uh, – I think he made a smart move, especially with the money and all that. And, you know, Kiffin could probably carve out a legacy there. Uh, we may all be sitting here in like 10 years going, well, he's he's the best coach at Ole Miss since they had Archie Manning and he won the SEC. And uh, then they'll build a Lane Kiffin statue outside right there in the Grove. And my favorite comparison, uh, I think I heard Scott Van Pelt uh, say of Lane Kiffin's coaching career, it's uh, it's the Benjamin Button of coaching careers. The way nice. it, all, it all went yeah. down there. All, all right, backwards. Yeah. Um, so uh, next question in the uh, SEC spotlight. We got eleven games to choose from, but guys, let's just uh, we'll limit it to uh, to two, if you will. Um, best uh, bowl matchup or most intriguing bowl matchup for you uh, out of the SEC right now? Oof. Go ahead, JC. You you lead the way on that one. I'd want to say South Carolina and, and Notre Dame, but I that, would, I that that would be up there. I think Mississippi State and Illinois, uh, the Illini with uh, believe uh, Brett. You know that that's one style Smash Mouth. You know Chase Brown. I think they had the number one defense for a while. They're they're very physical uh, versus Mississippi State, which is going to air raid you to death and. Uh, they're sort of um, they're physical and athletic, but more finesse. I I must say uh, Mississippi State and um, and Illinois in the what's now the ReliaQuest Bowl used to be the Outback Bowl. I I, I would say South Carolina Notre Dame, but uh, Michael Mayer, the the tight end for Notre Dame, opted out today. So I don't know how many players Notre Dame's going to have for that ball game. Um, but I, I think I think that just with the contrast of styles there, guys, that's a pretty intriguing matchup. Yeah, and I think everybody wants to see if Shane Beamer can can finish this incredible run with a win against a, a premier program on a national mm-hmm. stage. Uh, that'd be the perfect exclamation point to uh, a Carolina program gaining steam. I have a morbid fascination, uh, stress the word morbid, with Iowa, Kentucky. It's like which offense can get the 10 points first. Oh, man. That's right? Brutal. I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> that what's I'd, I'd, I'd love to know the over under in that game that that could be 31 and a half Mike 31, 31 and, a half and a half in a college football game and Do I you know there's by one there's got to be over unders that are near 70 in some of these bowl games like I'm doing the cheese it bowl one of my two uh bowl games I've got the Myrtle Beach Bowl and I've got the, the cheese it bowl which has Oklahoma Florida State and neither one of those teams defend anybody so I mean, the the over under on that one might be eighty. I'm, I I'd have to look at it. So, uh, but I'll just say right now, I can I'll, I'll give you the rundown real quick. Uh, since you brought this up, uh, Florida, Oregon State, uh, over under fifty two. Wake Forest, Missouri, and the um, uh, which bowl the the Gasparilla Bowl sixty three. Uh, Arkansas, Kansas, in the Simmons Bank uh, Liberty Stadium there for the Liberty Bowl sixty eight and a half. Uh, right at that number you mentioned, Ole Miss, Texas Tech is uh, over under is seventy, um, and uh, Tennessee, Clemson, sixty four, Kansas State, Alabama, fifty four and a half, Georgia, Ohio State, sixty one and a half, uh, the the uh, JC pick, Mississippi State, Illinois, forty six and a half, Purdue, LSU, uh, fifty eight, uh, and then the um, the South Carolina Notre Dame game is at fifty two. So if I'm looking at this correctly. I believe the South Carolina, uh, the Illinois Mississippi State game is the next lowest beyond uh, Kentucky Iowa. There, thirty-one okay. and a half. Yes, that is that that is that's just like I said, it's a morbid fascination. It's not one that I'm recommending to my family and friends. Um, you know, besides the obvious, in the, the Georgia Ohio State game, Alabama K State is intriguing to me. Kansas State reminded everybody just how legit they are. Um, and people are still waiting to hear, are there going to be any, any big time opt outs for Alabama as of right now? Um, I haven't heard many, if any, um, but that could certainly change. Uh, you told us to pick two, so I'm, I'm obviously struggling with that, but, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee Clemson, I, I know there's yeah. not going to be Hendon hooker, but I want to see, I want to see that game. I, I want to see both teams um, without the quarterbacks they started the season with. Yeah, yeah, but the difference is like you're you're feeling awfully good if you're Clemson and Klubnik. I don't know how you're feeling about Milton if you're Tennessee, but but that still can be you know they've got a month to get ready. Tennessee does with their new quarterback, and it's still an offense. Let's not forget that was pretty damn electric throughout the year. So I, I would throw that one in there as well. All right, and uh, just to to wrap up that one, uh, the the game that you're covering there, Mike, uh, sixty five and a half, Florida State. Oklahoma 65 65 and a half is the wow. over under yeah over under there for that but Big time. I wanted, wanted to ask the bowl question because I know that that will lead us into our deep dive and Mike I know you wanted to have some fun with uh yeah with let's have some I'm going to do an under the radar and a deep dive in one shot because I know we're, we're way over time on the under the radar I would just say this you know I, I've done a lot of these um early bowl games and people used to kind of scoff at them um, one of the most entertaining games I've done was last year's Cure Bowl with Coastal Carolina and Northern Illinois. It was high scoring. It was came down to the wire, came down to the final play. Here, here's why I would not uh, scoff. And by the way, if you're one of those people, like your your main hot take is too many bowl games, just shut up and don't watch. Like nobody's asking you to watch these games if you don't want to. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, what else are you going to be watching on December sixteenth? Like what else is going on on that Friday that you you so desperately you need to see another episode of of you know uh, the Housewives of Beverly Hills? Like uh, most people I know, if there's football on, they're watching. 
Like if you're uh, Thanksgiving, were you really into the Detroit Lions or were you watching because it was football? So that's where these 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 are not going away. They're they're TV success stories, whether there's a hundred thousand people there or five hundred. People love college football and they can't get enough of it. And it's on a spot on the calendar where there's nothing else great going on. So there's my little two cents on that. But what I love about these early bowl games, the Bahamas Bowl, the Cure Bowl, uh, the Celebration Bowl, the Lending Tree Bowl, uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is because they they don't have the same drama that quite frankly is sapping some of the energy out of the bigger bowl games. What do I mean by that? There's no players opting out. None. There are no players threatening to leave in the portal. There are no, uh, there's no like lack of buy-in. Like they're completely all in. So what you're what it kills me when I hear people trying to handicap bowl games. Well, which team is going to be more motivated than the other? And that's a legit concern. It's not in those early bowl games. So I would just say, Enjoy the early bowl games because what you're watching is two teams that every player is giving their blood, sweat, and tears and would do anything to finish it with a, a W. Uh, that's what we want, isn't it? I mean, that's the spirit of competition. Unfortunately, it's not always the case. Uh, for my for my deep dive, I, I heard another joke about this the other day. People still think that the pool and weed eater bowl is a thing. Do you guys want to take a guess the last time it was known as the Pull and Weed Eater Bowl? Uh, 90s, probably. It's the, uh, indep- it was the Independence Bowl, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Michael, and any. Well, I was, I was going to say, I, I, I was thinking it was a little sooner than that. I was going to throw out like maybe 05. 1996. Wow. Yeah. 1996. The Pull and Weed Eater Bowl existed from 1990 to 1996. And back then we only had, I think it was 17 bowl games. Now we have 41. So if you were a bowl game, you were getting even more attention than you get now. And everybody was starting to rack up their, this is when the craze began. Like, we don't just have a bowl game. We got a sponsor that goes with the bowl game. So we're not just the Peach Bowl. We're the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Mm-hmm. So... Pullen is just what it sounds. And I I went and Googled it, by the way. I can't find a Pullen Weed Eater website. But there still are Pullen Weed Eater products at your local Walmart. So that's still a thing. Even though it hasn't been a bowl game since 1996. And as JC pointed out, the Independence Bowl is, is where it was always played. We still have an Independence Bowl. We don't have a Pullen Weed Eater Independence Bowl. Uh, but it, it, it's funny, like it's still the most joked about, I don't know what the check was to sign this up, but whatever they talk about in advertising residual value, where like people are still talking about your spots, even when they're not running, we're, we're going on 26 years since the last pull and weed eater bowl. And people still refer to that bowl game as pull and weed eater, or they make a pull and weed eater joke. Hey, no bad publicity is still publicity in the advertising game. If you're making a joke, you're still mentioning pool and weed eater. And so kudos to whatever executive came up with that tie-in. Uh, they're still around. They're around while others like the Petro Sun Bowl, the Culligan Bowl, uh, the SeaWorld Bowl, the, oh, the Blockbuster Bowl. 
you know, Blockbuster Bowl, the ConAgra Foods Bowl, like none of those lasted. You can't even remember them, but you remember pulling weed eaters. So my deep dive, get your tank on, put your mask on. We're going to go find out at the bottom of the Pacific. There's probably right now a weed eater with a pulling tag on it. And somebody uh, threw off their boat because it was they were frustrated. It didn't work anymore. We're not uh, encouraging pollution here on J.C. and Morgan, but sadly, this happens. Save the manatees. I'm out. I'm going to say this. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> you said it all, Mike. You said That's, it all. Uh, you know, just, I, just take that clip. There you go. Yeah, Pull that yeah, clip out. Save yeah, it for later. Yeah, I, uh, it was beautiful. Drop. But uh, yeah, same bowl game, the Poland Weed Eater Bowl. I, I went one time. Uh, it, it was one year. It was the Duck Commander Bowl. Too. Yes, like the, the another duck, great it was, name. Twenty. It was 2014. It was South Carolina, Miami. It was pouring down rain. There were probably about 75 people there. Um, Miami brought five. <laughs> There, none of those guys like you were talking about. They're just the just the the parent, the players, of the parents. Al Golden was coaching. James Coley was calling plays. Miami probably had about six NFL guys on that team, and and still couldn't score on South Carolina, which had a bad defense. The Gamecocks came back and won. Uh, there was Duck Commander stuff everywhere, uh, and then they uh, they ended up pulling out of the sponsorship the next year. So it was only one year. Wasn't it so, the Papa John's Bowl that, that they, was in, they ran out of pizza? That was in Birmingham. That was another South Carolina. Was that bowl Connecticut, game. South Carolina? Yes. And, and they was, ran out of pizza. They ran out of Papa John's pizza. Thirty-two. At they ran out of it was Papa, John's, Papa John's. Bowl. They, they ran out of Papa crazy. John's pizza at halftime. Like my buddy calls me up and he's like, "Dude," and he talks like that. This this daggum bowl, man. They, they they ran out of Papa John's pizza at halftime. I'm like, oh god. It's the uh, Papa John's bowl. So cold, Papa John's. so hungry. Saddest bowl experience ever. <laughs> I didn't go. I was in Tampa. I was I worked for ESPN at the time, and I was in Tampa covering the Under Armour All American game or St. Pete. And so I've got all this post game to do, and people don't understand why I'm like enthralled with South Carolina versus Connecticut, the press box. Right. Um, and it just was miserable. It's miserable to watch Michael. I mean, I, I, even though I wasn't there and what was sad was South Carolina beating Clemson that year. And, and when that happens, the Gamecocks normally take a big crowd to a bowl game. They get enthusiasm and stuff. So they sold all those tickets in the, in the gray lady, the Legion field and, uh, had a huge crowd and played UConn and Steve Spur. Everybody's had they just completely laid an egg and you know thirty degree weather with there was no heat in the shows. press box. There was no heat oh, in the press box that day. Yeah, unreal. They ran out of all no, the food and so no, it really no was, pizza, yeah, no and pizza. U- and then UConn went into they forget the abyss. They they went into a graveyard and yeah. now poof, they're out on the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Jim Mora. <sighs> Jim Warren, I like that guy. There's man. a, there's a under the radar. There's a, there's a holy snap. How did Jim Moore do it? But they put all, they pulled off yeah. some big wins. Yeah, Coastal Carolina should have hired Jim Moore Jr. instead of Tim Beck. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. What Tim Beck's going to win a go to the playoff with Coastal? Tim Beck's gonna... family is going to uh, hunt you down. <laughs> In Chicago, and say, "Hey, JC, man, what? What's? Uh, I better look at his bio and make sure he doesn't have any he ties up here. Be calling him. Hey, yeah, what's up? You get this. I think big his brother headache. is a former Green Beret, if I'm not mistaken. I saw that somewhere on Wikipedia, but who knows for sure? Guys, this has been fun. 
All right. Is there anything else that we didn't cover in the final minutes? No. Uh, I go, think we covered go it all. Cool and weed eaters, man. Go. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Mike, uh, I, I'm expecting a pair of jeans here pretty soon. And uh, yes, why don't yes, you tell from, me where we got them from? Oh, from bluedeltajeans.com. Of course, great holiday gift for those of you that are uh, shopping. If you really want to impress your soulmate, uh, go ahead and go to bluedeltajeans.com. The best custom fitting jeans on the planet. Don't take my word for it. All you got to do is go on social media. A number of people can't help but tell you how much they love their Blue Deltas. There's quality jeans, and then there's Blue Deltas. And you don't have to go to the showroom in Oxford to check them out. You can just go online, get the size up yourself, and get your order in and have it ready for the holidays. It's BlueDeltaJeans.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. We appreciate all of you tuning in, the thousands that do each and every week. And that number keeps growing, and we love you for that. As JC always likes to mention, don't be afraid to write a great review as well on whatever particular platform you are listening. Michael, rest up. Sober up. Feel good about your performance today. You played hurt. You did very well. All JC, right. you, as always, a pleasure. Guys, uh, have a great weekend. We will be next. I should remind everybody because when JC and I started this years ago, it was only going to be during the season. We are every, we're, we're all year long. Every week, we're there. I mean, unless something catastrophic happens, it's not always easy to line up all three of our schedules, but damn it, we do it. We get it done because you, the American people, demand it. And so here Perfect. we are for you we'll be back with you next week for jc for michael it's mike saying so long see you next time on jc and morgan